Andrea Kolsky, and you're listening to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Community Radio. And today we're super excited to be joined by the Polish super lawyer, Nicole Chikowski. Nicole, how are you today? I'm doing great, Andrea. Thanks for having me. So for the listeners out there who are tuning in on the radio, Nicole is not here in person. And I think that it is because of her intimidation because she's a brunette appearing on Justice is Blonde. But as you know, we are equally happy to have people of all hair colors as guests on the show. So keep that in mind for the future, Nicole. Don't be afraid. I got it. Okay. So what we're going to talk about uh, today on the show is we're going to we're going to hear later in the show from Prosecutor Rob Frayer about his experience prosecuting a man who was charged with hitting a police officer with his truck on Christmas Day and, and the fallout from that and, and just the reactions from him. And we're also going to talk about the year in review as far as things that have happened in our community. He, he mentions uh, Hurricane Harvey and just the, you know, the impact of the community with Hurricane Harvey. So for the beginning part of the show, we're just going to kind of do a year in review of changes in the law and legislative things that, that occurred that may be interesting for the consumers of our show or folks that are members of our community to find out about. So first off, you know, one of the things that we're really excited about this year is Conroe, Texas, do you know, Nicole, what number it is as far as fastest growing cities in the country? I'm going to guess number seven. It's number one. Number one. Oh, really? Like like the number one um, other Polish lawyer in Montgomery County, which is yourself. We are, Conroe is number one as far as growth. So it's it's really good to be a defense lawyer in this town with those changes happening um, where we have more folks coming out here and taking advantage of all our great resources. But some of the things that have happened in the law that may be helpful to people that have ha- have been in trouble before is, for example, you can now get a DWI non-disclosed from your record. And that didn't used to be the case. So that's exciting for some people who maybe made a bad decision when they were younger that they now qualify to have that offense uh, non-disclosed from their record after September 1st. Have you, Andrea, w- Andrea, will you tell them what the difference is between non-disclosure and, expunction, and expunction? Because I get that question all of the time for people who are looking at protecting their criminal records. So an expunction is, is basically the best case scenario because when you have an expunction, you can literally um, return yourself to the status of, of never being arrested and you can answer honestly that you've never been arrested of a criminal offense. And it allows you to return to the status of if you got arrested for something, charged, and your case was dismissed or you were found not guilty, you were allowed to act like that event never occurred, even though obviously in your lifetime, um, you as the person that was accused and went through this process, it occurred. But it, it allows you to basically have a clean record or start with a clean slate. Now, with the non-disclosure, um, it's a little, it's not as good, but it's still better than nothing. Uh, because what happens with the non-disclosure is there's still about 51 agencies that have access to non-disclosed records. And for the most part, those agencies are prisons, uh, people that deal with schools, old folks, things of that nature. So, there, you know, securities regulation. So basically any, anything where you would have to have a secure background check, the FBI, DPS, all, all law enforcement agencies are generally going to still have access to those records. But you know, most people trying to get a job, let, let's say you're trying to get a job at Sherman Williams or you're trying to go work for uh, a computer company, you will be able to not have to disclose uh, the DWI on your record. So that that's a real benefit to folks that have considered that a handicap in the past. Um, and, and I think it's good because it gives folks a second chance if if they do, in fact, uh, have a mistake when they're young or even when, even when they're older. So um, obviously the expunction's better. If you qualify for it, great. Do you know, um, and don't you usually have to wait out the statute of limitations on those, Nicole? My understanding is that depending on the crime, the district attorney's office is taking the position that they, um, in some circumstances, will waive the waiting requirement. So I know in cases that I've had, they've they've agreed to it, and we haven't had to wait the time. But, you know, the, the important thing, I think, about the DWI stuff is that 
there's a lot of people that could go out and get a great job with UPS or FedEx or something where traveling or driving, if they had to have a company car that in the past, a DWI would prevent them from getting that job. And now they still have the DWI conviction, but they are going to be able to apply and possibly get jobs that that require driving or company cars. So I think it's a great change in the law. I think it's going to help a lot of people that we represent. Well, and then the other thing is it gives us different strategies depending on the kind of case that, that somebody has. So if you get an interlock in your car for six months and you're on probation, then you actually qualify to have your offense non-disclosed after two years. If you don't have the interlock, you have to wait five years. So normally somebody might say, I don't want an interlock on my car. It's a machine and, you know, I have kids. I don't want to go to carpool with this. But they may change their opinion if they know they can get that offense off their record sooner. What do you think? I mean, I think it's definitely something that you want to consider is how quickly do you want to get this off of your record? It never can be a bad thing. And, you know, I was uh, I was sitting um, outside the courthouse the other day and one of the local lawyers that has a great reputation was sitting there and he's speaking to his client. And I happened to overhear him. He was explaining, you know, expungement and non-disclosure. And he was like, look, this is the only time in your life that you're ever going to be able to legally lie about the fact that you've been arrested. And I was like, that's a great way to put it. You know, it's not every day that you get to legally lie and say, I didn't get arrested for this charge. And so I think employers are so um, worried about liability these days that anytime that you can get things off your criminal record, no matter what the cost is, it's worth um, the money to try to do it. So, of course, you want to have a good lawyer to assist you in making those decisions. And, you know, if you do have a, a lawyer that can get your case dismissed or get you found not guilty, that's a better scenario than uh, if you were to be convicted and then having to get it non-disclosed. So, and Absolutely. And there are a couple other issues whereby, for example, you can't have a, a blood alcohol concentration of greater than a 0.15 and there can't be an accident. So they really want to give the folks a second chance who have, I guess, what I would consider non-offensive driving while intoxicated offenses. So yeah, that's, that's one, my understanding as well. That's one of the driving changes. Now, additionally, it's now against the law. Finally, it's been against a lot of people's better judgment for a long time to text and drive. So now that's against the law. Um, you can get a citation for it. It can be probable cause to pull you over. And, and investigate. And, you know, it also is a situation where it's a class A misdemeanor if you kill someone while texting and driving, which I think you and I both know in, in this district attorney's office in Montgomery County, they would certainly find something else to charge if that had occurred, don't you think? Yes, you, you're talking about charging a higher degree of offense. I mean, when I worked at the district attorney's office before they had the law where you, it was a class A texting while driving, if you kill someone, they would, they would charge people with um, manslaughter and then try to prove that, or they would that you reckless by texting. And there's a, there's an argument to be made that that in fact is true. There's an argument to be made that that in fact is something that isn't necessarily reckless. So, um, but yes, I would think that if you get caught texting while driving in Montgomery County and you kill someone that you should be prepared to face charges that are higher than a class A. Higher than the ones that are legislated. And, and certainly as a defense attorney, sometimes, you know, you would argue in these driving related fatality cases that sometimes accidents are just accidents and, and there doesn't necessarily have to be a criminal consequence. But, Nicole, we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors. And um, after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, marijuana and cannabis regulation here in Texas and talk about a couple other changes in the law. You're listening to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Community Radio. It's no big deal. This is no big deal. This is how we do. Attention, movie lover. The Ticket Stub is a new radio show servicing Montgomery County that is meant for you. The Ticket Stub is available live every Thursday at noon on FM 104.5 and 106.1, as well as anytime on IRLoneStar.com. Connor and Dick will let you know what's coming out in the theater, what is worth streaming, and what's going on in the world of film. The Ticket Stub, your home for movie talk. 
Geek at the Super Rica, grabbing tacos, checking out hotties. This is Andrea Kolsky, and you're listening to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Community Radio. And if you're just joining us, we're joined by special guest, Polish super lawyer, Nicole Chakowski. Nicole, we're super happy to have you back. I'm glad to be here. And if you're also just joining us, what we were visiting about before the break was we're talking about some changes in the law in the state of Texas, also, which would also be in Montgomery County, that have occurred since 2017. And one of the changes in the law that we were visiting about before the break was texting and driving. And so basically, don't text and drive. Worst case scenario, you get a ticket. Sometimes it could result in probable cause, which could result in your vehicle being searched. Um, And if your vehicle is searched and they find marijuana, Nicole, Texas, how do we feel about marijuana? I mean, I think how, how do I feel or how do we feel generally? I would just say Texas, I feel, is, is kind of a holdout versus the rest of the country as far as marijuana. Um, Absolutely. You know, but people ask me all the time, do you, like, do you ever think that marijuana will be legal in Texas? And I, I actually do. I think that we are headed in that direction. It's just going to be we're going to be at the very end of this train of let's legalize it. Like so. we'll be the 50th state. We will be the last holdout, probably. But I think they're folding quickly. So I think that there's a chance that we could see that in the next 10 years. Well, this is what I think is a concern. So so first of all, I know that in Harris County, they're not prosecuting the marijuana offenses as aggressively. In fact, I think there's a, a rule that if they don't have more than four ounces of marijuana, if there's no intent to deliver or distribute that, that you basically get a ticket, the evidence is destroyed, you take a class and the case is dismissed. So bad yeah, for us so- as defense attorneys, because then they're not going to hire us, but good for the folks that are, are pulled over. What do you think? Yeah. And so for the listeners to know, I mean, four ounces of marijuana is, is a lot. And in Montgomery County, if you get caught with four ounces of marijuana and you don't have a good lawyer, you are facing up to a year in the county jail. So for it to be legal practically in Harris County, but you could be facing um, up to, you know, a year in the county jail in Montgomery County, that's a huge discrepancy in how the law is being applied. Well, so for yeah, attorneys, and, that's a concern. And as far as our uh, clients, you know, if you get caught with four ounces, they call that a QP or a quarter pound of marijuana. <laughs> and that that is a lot, especially if you're to physically look at it. That's something that you can't uh, usually make a good argument that you didn't know it was there because of the volume that it would be in your vehicle. Um, so one of the things that I thought would be a reason that Texas would remain a holdout was because of the fact that it is probable cause for officers to search your vehicle. And in these other states where it's not against the law, if an officer comes up upon a car and it smells like marijuana, I imagine they can't then search the entire car because it's not illegal for the marijuana to be possessed. And I think that the smell of marijuana is often a way that law enforcement officers get to more serious drug offenses. Isn't that your opinion? Absolutely. You know, I tell all my clients, I said, look, as, as a prosecutor, I've never prosecuted a case where somebody was sitting on their couch, smoking marijuana, not committing any other offenses. I never prosecuted that case because that doesn't exist. But when you get into your car and you're traveling with it and you're smoking it in your car, I mean, every time you get pulled over, a cop is going to use that to get into your vehicle. So, I mean, legally, they have the right to do that. And so I just tell my clients, look, that's that is something that if you're going to do, it's, you know, you need to be not driving around with marijuana in your car. Do it it in your living room. Move to states where it's legal. Change your life plan. Those are those are advice. Those are good advice. Oregon and open up a, a marijuana farm if that's what suits you. But you can't do it here in Montgomery County. Or move south of uh Rayford sawdust and don't drive north of Rayford sawdust and, and don't travel with too much of it. And you may find yourself in better shape. But what's, in, what's interesting, I think, though, is that even though you think that marijuana will ultimately, you know, make that move. We, we are we do have a new law that is basically criminalizing marijuana wax and other types of marijuana where where that's a felony. So in that other uh, vein, it seems like Texas is moving away from that direction. 
Isn't that your experience? Absolutely. You know, the fact that you, you know, I don't know, some of the people, the listeners may know this, but, you know, when you talk about the wax, they also have forms of marijuana now, or I've actually defended cases where uh, my clients have had gummy bears that have some type of marijuana substance in them. And that is a felony where it's, in the client's view, it's like, well, it's marijuana. Why am I being charged with a felony when I have no criminal history? But legally, that is what what our lawmakers have done. They've turned in, you know, if you have a gummy bear that's marijuana, that's a felony. But if you have regular marijuana, depending on the amount, that can be a misdemeanor. So it is scary for people who partake in marijuana that don't know, look, if you start taking gummy bears or any kind of wax or anything like that, you're in a totally different field than you are or of liability than you are if you just smoke marijuana. So Nicole, we are coming to the end of the segment and just uh, so the viewers can get to know you a little bit better and to keep you on your toes, we're going to hit you with the Justice's Blonde lightning round. We'll, All right. You will be asked a series of questions and, uh, the, you know, you, you got to answer as quickly as possible. It's, it's called the lightning round. It's not called the turtle round. So you ready? <laughs> what do I get if I win? <laughs> you get to be on again. Okay. So let's do it. Okay. Prosecutor or defense attorney? Are you asking me what I am? No, you got to just pick one. It's the lightning round. Defense attorney. (laughs) Georgia or Alabama? Georgia. Snack at the gas station. Beef jerky or anything else? Anything else. Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Christmas Day. Santa Claus or Kris Kringle? Santa Claus. Country music or any other kind of music? Any other kind of music. Ted Cruz or other favorite politician in Texas? I take the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) Team Roper or Bull Rider? Bull Rider. Complete the following sentence. Justice is... Blonde. We appreciate... Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes it's brunette. Sometimes, unless I'm representing you, and then it's... Um, a little bit of dyed brunette. We're coming to the close of our segment. We really appreciate having you on, Nicole. We hope to have you back. Uh, we do plan to hear from a prosecutor. So I'm sure he'll choose prosecutor versus defense attorney. He'll choose the prosecutor. In the next segment, Rob Frere, recurring guest, also known as Ag Rob. You're listening to Justice is Blonde, and we're available at IRLoneStar.com slash Justice is Blonde. We're available worldwide and on the Lone Star Internet Radio app. You can see us Wednesdays at 2 p.m. And if you have any burning questions for the blonde, contact me at Andrea at nonstopjustice.com. Hey guys, I'm Joey Savage. Corey DLG. We are Nerd Thug Radio. Catch us every Monday from 1 to 3, and check out our website, nerdthugradio.com. We like to talk about quilting, horseback riding, and baking quiche. Actually, we don't, but we do like talking nerdy to you. That's right. Every Monday from 1 to 3 p.m., hashtag talking nerdy to you. Andrea Kolsky, and you're listening to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Internet Radio. And today we're joined by a very special guest, uh, recurring guest, the lovely and talented Rob Frere, Assistant District Attorney, also known as Ag Rob, Good afternoon. to defendants across Montgomery County. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Good afternoon. Rob? I'm doing fine. How are you? So we're really excited to be back on air. Um, just it's been a while, but now we have our FM channel is, is rocking and rolling. It's been a while. Um, it's FM 104.5 and 106.1. We're also, Dick, what's our TV channel? So you can watch Andrea three different ways. It will be on YouTube. Just look up Justice is Blonde. 
uh, and subscribe to that channel to get the YouTube version, which is on demand. And then and locally in Conroe, it'll be a channel 12 <laughs> if you have sudden link as a provider. And then if you have an antenna in the area, just look up channel 21 and you can find her on there. So if you don't have channel 12, then apologies that you can't see the lovely Rob Flair and how, how blonde I am these days. But we are back in the studio. And today we want to talk a little bit about not only um, this trial that, that Rob has had in his recent history, but we want to kind of talk about the year in review and, and what's what's happened in the law, not only in 2017, but just kind of the climate and, and the country. So wrapping up 2017, the way we'd like to bring it in is if you come in with Rob, you leave with Rob, that's a good year. So we're really happy to have you, Rob. So we want to talk a little bit about this officer um, aggravated assault, attempted capital murder scenario. Aggravated assault of a public servant for Officer Michael Chapman, Conroe Police Department. And we got to hear from Vinny last week. He was really excited about being a part of this trial team. And, and he had a lot of fun little stories that he was able to tell us about the trial preparation and things that y'all did. But one of the things that I said to Vinny is that being an observer of this trial, it really made you feel like whether you were on the defense side or on the prosecution side, that the American flag was waving in the background the entire trial. It was. I mean, this officer, you know, was was a rookie at the time back in 2015. It was Christmas night, and uh, he answered an alarm call right at a business called West End Roofing right there at 1488 and 45. Uh, little did he know that there were two trucks that had gone onto the property and they were stealing uh, roofing shingles. And the first truck drove right at the officer. He was able to get out of the way, but in the process of trying to get back into his patrol car to, to follow the first car, uh, this defendant was driving a pickup truck that struck the officer's door and pinned his left leg between his driver's door and the frame of his car. And it broke his leg, it broke his tibia and his fibula. It was very, very painful. And uh, it could have been a, a lot worse. And so ultimately, what happened to the individual that you tried for this injury to Officer Michael Chapman? Well, we went to trial by, starting on, on December the 4th, and um, we were able to, you know, basically gather a, a framework of evidence that we had. I mean, we had uh, DPS come in and do an outstanding job at comparing the broken glass that was ultimately found in the defendant's truck. And also in the living room of the courtroom. Yes, we, 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 we brought in the actual doors to the side of Officer Chapman's car. So it was a very, very powerful evidence. And the jury was very interested. Uh, and they poured through a lot of good evidence. We had a defendant who, like so many other defendants, gets himself in trouble by not keeping his mouth shut. Uh, and he, I like to say uh, to my clients, a fish never got caught that didn't open his mouth. That is correct. And you've had a little bit of trouble fishing lately, right? I Well, I haven't been fishing because of this trial. We, Vince and I worked very hard in the weeks leading up to it. And uh, we, were, we, we were in trial until Friday evening around 7 o'clock when the jury finally reached their verdict. We and, commend their hard work. And, well. and what was the sentence? 40 years, TDC. And so as far as somebody getting 40 years, this was a young kid, right? He, had he was young. He was young. Barely an adult, he was 18 at the time of the offense. He was 18 when it happened. He eligible had, for probation. He was probation eligible. Yes. Uh, now, but, did did the defense argue that probation was an appropriate punishment? The defense and punishment really didn't have much to work with because uh, nobody from the defendant's family came to testify on his behalf. None of his friends were there. Uh, we don't know where they were. I mean, he, he doesn't have a burden to put on any evidence, but. We put on evidence that he was a docu member, documented member of MS-13 uh, and that he had done this sort of theft at least four other times in addition to this case. Now, were those times as a juvenile or those times all as an 18-year-old? They were. He was 18 when he did them all. Okay. They were in the same time frame as this. And so just for the folks on the in the audience that don't know what MS-13 is, gang— MS-13 is a is a gang called uh, Mara Salvatrucha that that originated, I believe, in Honduras and El Salvador, and they have come into the United States and are very prevalent in larger cities: Baltimore, Charlotte, North Carolina, Atlanta, uh, and they have a Atlanta. presence. They have a presence in Houston as well, as well as L.A., New York, and uh, they have some very um, dangerous individuals, very violent. people individuals 
And so in order to put on testimony that somebody belongs to a gang, how do you establish that? Is it by tattoos? Is it by experts? Or how do you establish that someone's We proved it gang? up in this case because we had documentation that showed that he had admitted in the past to being a member. And we had an, an expert from Conroe PD, an officer, a sergeant named Juan Sauceda, who testified from a photograph that we had of the defendant that was consistent with the gang signs that are employed and used, flashed by members of that gang. And so um, if you, this is actually a, a TV version. So if you can demonstrate the sign. Oh, so the I, I don't remember. I don't remember which, which one it was. It was something like this, you know, where I mean, there's so many different signs. I, and Maybe something like this. Something like this. I'm, I wasn't sure exactly. Okay. Uh, but something that implies there's a one and a three. There are, yes, there are unique signs that these gang members uh, use on the street. They aren't very proud about using them in a courtroom uh, because a courtroom is the worst place to ever admit that you're a member of a street gang in front of a jury of the citizens of Montgomery County. So what's difficult in this case as a, as a defense attorney is that if your defensive strategy the entire trial is it wasn't me, you got the wrong guy, and then the jury says, well, sorry, the overwhelming evidence is that it looks like it was you. It's hard as a defense attorney to put on evidence about, um, I mean, I guess from a punishment standpoint, I know you got me. You, this is a, I mean, basically you have to stick with the, this is a terrible tragedy. You got the wrong guy. Well, the uh, a crucial piece of evidence that Vince and I put on and that Vince very ably, very competently argued to come in was that, we put on evidence that Shenandoah PD, an officer from Shenandoah, had stopped the same defendant in the same truck doing the same thing he was doing on the night of December 26, 2015, two months earlier. So we stealing knew we had- Stealing roofing shingles. Roofing shingles, stealing roofing shingles. And um, we, we knew we had the right truck. Conroe PD, due to their hard work, their detectives and an officer uh, named Jesse Minchu, they were able to locate the truck which had been damaged by the, this collision. This was in no way an accident. This could have been avoided, you know, unlike what you would think of when you have an accident. So they find the truck the next day across the freeway. And it was from that that they went to Burlington, the detectives, and located two individuals. So there were four individuals that happened to be in the store at the same exact time asking about the so they started to be able to put names to that vehicle, which was covered in roofing shingles and had sustained damage to the front of it to the point to where it was not drivable. So damage consistent with striking a patrol car. Yes, we had the we had paint chips from Officer Chapman's patrol car mixed in with the front quarter panel of this defendant's pickup truck. And they had the uh, misfortune of being sort of not high on the intelligence list of, of going in and providing names when they start asking questions about a vehicle at a, at a location where law enforcement is, is already located. Had they not gone back to Burlington to try to locate this truck, they might have gotten away with it. But, you know, these officers worked so hard. This was at Christmas time. These officers... It was had, about two years ago. It was almost two years ago to the date. It was Christmas night, 2015. And it was a night out there where Officer Chapman was out there. It was cold. It was raining. And uh, he put himself in grave danger just to, you know, do the things that we take for granted on a daily basis. And that was one of the things that I had mentioned, um, you know, earlier in the segment, earlier this this past week when I had the show with, with Vinny, also known as the Great Santini. Um, his name is a little more, it seems a little more promotional than Ag Rob. Are you going to, so first of all, we'll get back to that, where you're going to have to come up with another, a nickname, commiserate with the great Santini. Vince, but. Vince is a, <laughs> Vince is a very, very talented, uh, very, very confident on his feet um, trial attorney. He is very good. We were very prepared. It was a real pleasure to get to try this case with Vince. I think this, this, this is, I think the second case, we tried a drug case of, few years ago where we had a really good result but um he's just very good he's very organized he's 
he has a good sense of humor about himself. He doesn't take himself too seriously. But however, when it comes time to get the job done, I, I can't think of anybody that I want on my side more than I would want Vince Santini. Well, you know, one of the things I watched the, your closing argument, and, and it was what I've talked about when you're waving the American flag, is that, and, and I had said, you know, Rob gets real fired up, but I mean that in a good way, is that, you know, you stood in front of that jury and you said that the climate of this country has become anti-law enforcement. And you said <coughs> it's just disgusting, you know, the kind of where we are as far as people and how law enforcement is viewed. And, and you you said it passionately. And, you know, it really is something that, you know, I have noticed as, as far as when we started Doing Justice is Blonde several years ago, we started talking about Ferguson and it has just spiraled as to kind of this anti-law enforcement sentiment where people are quick to um, disbelieve a police officer or or think the worst. Well, you know, I'll limit it to the, to the fine officers that work here in Conroe and Montgomery County without getting onto a national, you know, observation. But these officers work hard. They don't get paid enough. Um a lot of people, unfortunately, don't appreciate all the great things that they do. Uh, these are the officers that, that these people that say some things like that, but however, if something happens to them, they call the police, and the police always show up, and they're professional, uh, they're, they work hard, uh, they care about their jobs. Um, officer Chapman, as well as his other officers, they were very dedicated in all respects, the detectives, the patrol officers, uh, the officers, Ralph Horn and Stoney Cook, that processed these vehicles for days. And um, they were determined to, to ensure that a jury was able to hear the mountains of evidence that Vince and I presented in this case on behalf of all of these officers. So it was a real privilege. Um, we try to express our gratitude at the DA's office um, on a daily basis for these hardworking officers and our investigator who is a police officer, AP Marillat, um, did an outstanding job at uh, keeping tabs of witnesses because this case had been set for trial like four or five times prior to us finally getting to go to court. Now, let me ask you this. Was it trial strategy to try to go to trial at a time that was, you know, the holidays where it, it was, from an observer perspective, it really puts people in the same frame of mind as, as well, what as was happening the, at that time. As the timing played out, that turned out to work out. However, we were set for trial back in September, and um, we were ready back in September. Um, and I wanted to get this case tried. Um, it's been two years, and, you know, I, I fought, we fought, myself and another prosecutor who was work, working with me before Vince came on. We opposed the defense's motion for a continuance because we wanted to get this case tried. And ultimately, um, as a defense attorney, sometimes things come up where you can't be ready and, and you have to put your client's interest over convenience or efficiency of the court. And, uh, and you know, so it looks like everybody got their day in court. And unfortunately for the defendant, it, it didn't work out as, as I'm sure he had hoped. But we do need to take a break to hear from our sponsors. Um, you're listening to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Community Radio. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. This is Andrea Kolsky, and you're listening to Justice is Blonde on Lone Star Community Radio, and you're joined here with our end-of-the-year show, and, and we're trying to finish strong, so we're bring in one of the strongest prosecutors, if not the strongest prosecutor in Montgomery, Texas, Montgomery County, Texas, Rob Frere, a.k.a. Ag Rob, and not based on um, his temperament because he's not angry all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's based on his passion for prosecuting aggravated robberies, uh, 
if you rob a jewelry store in Montgomery County or try to carjack somebody or you're involved in any robbing behavior, you may find this person on the other side of your case and then you may never get out of jail. Is that fair to say? I've tried a few aggravated robberies in my day, but we've got other prosecutors that are just as able and, and you know, and good in a courtroom. As, and I appreciate the compliments, but we all work hard down here. And, uh, you know, I'm going on 20 years doing the greatest job in the world. Well, a couple of things um, <clears throat> that have happened this year that we can't get through the year without mentioning is Hurricane Harvey. Who would have expected the devastation across the state of Texas in, in both Montgomery County and Harris County, which is our, our city neighbor, who would have expected that level of devastation based on even the reports? It was all over the place. I mean, Jefferson County got it. All of Southeast Texas was affected. I mean, and, and then you have the people down in down in Port Aransas and Port Lavaca that, I mean, our, our hearts go out to those people because the storm made landfall at Port Aransas and it destroyed a very, what is a very beautiful uh, part of the state. And uh, my hats off to all the first responders down there who, you know, ran towards the storm and not away from it to ensure that property and, and life was was protected. Well, and that's <clears> something <throat> that we had addressed on a previous show is that, you know, it does seem like there is in some portions of the, the country an anti-law enforcement mentality. But I think that <clears throat> the storm... Um, just shows what law enforcement is capable of and really how they stuck together and did so much for our community as well as well as the great state of Texas. It, it, and you, you, Andrea, it's sad that a, 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 an event like this happens and you wouldn't want to wish this on anybody, but what this event underscored was that it took something like this to show, to bring out the good in so many people, EMTs, doctors, nurses, volunteers, you know, the folks from Louisiana that came over on their own dime. And and, and got boats and were, and, and were and, trying to help folks out. Yes. And uh, it, it, it brought out the good in a lot of people. A lot of people down in Houston uh, suffered. I mean, the Harris County Criminal Justice Center flooded for the second time in 15 years. And, and you and I were both prosecutors there when it flooded the first time. It was and horrible. It, it took months for us to get back into that building. It was hard, and it's going to be worse this time. And, and it's supposed to be worse this time. It may be a, a year or longer before you can get back into that it, facility. It's, it's, it's bad. It's and and good. what was crazy about that building that, you know, you and I would go to work at for so many years and and work on the same floors is that people were working intake, taking charges, and they're having to, you know, they're getting flooded out and getting rescued from a building that, you know, is responsible for accepting charges. The people that worked intake that Friday night when the storm hit were there for six days, uh, sleeping on couches, rotating. Uh, they had to be physically evacuated out of the building as the water was coming up. The doors that they had installed, the locks to keep the water out did not work. The water came up over those things and the entire first floor of the building once again flooded, flooded. again. Again. And so you just wonder how that building is flooded. And then right around the corner, literally a quarter of a block away, civil building is fine. The civil building was, was made it through the storm, to my knowledge. And now the criminal courts in Harris County have had to relocate over to the uh, civil courthouse. So, uh, But a little inconvenience <clears throat> for defense lawyers and prosecutors, That's that's not something that you know, we're, we're trying to focus on. It's just the where the places that we do our job directly were directly impacted. And yes. not only did people lose their, their, um, their things, some people lost their lives. Some people, um, lots of people lost their vehicles. Yes. Um, the damage to property was, was exponential. It was awful. And we just got back from lunch today at the, at the, uh, the country catfish on one Oh five. And that's an example of a business that flooded. They had four to five feet of water in their house and they, got right back to work. And here we are three months later and they are back up and running. And the food is still very good, by the way. And that's Country Catfish on Country 105. Catfish, <laughs> Burns Country Catfish on 105. Now, um, <clears throat> additionally, you know, I, I, I do think previously in the segment, we talked about how during your trial, I felt very pro-America and I felt like a waving the American flag, but this definitely showed 
Texas pride, how Texas, I think, really came together as a state and and really came together to support Houston and all the surrounding counties. And then, of course, one of your favorite athletes, um, really. J.J. Watt. Really. He did a very good thing for, for this community and took it upon himself. Nobody asked him to do that. He didn't do it for uh, his own self-promotion. He did it out of the goodness of his heart. And he obviously with his ability to raise that amount of money command that just shows how much respect uh, he commands from people in this community. Well, and ultimately what just was so amazing is that he started out with a goal of $200,000. Okay. I don't remember what it was, but I know that it wasn't 37 million. And that's where it ended up. And eventually he had to cut off his, his funding and say, okay, the, the page is closed. I mean, so there's no telling how where we would be at right now, but he he did so much um, for the community and mm-hmm. like and made sure that the community knew this money is going directly to the folks that are affected. It's not going to administrative folks. It's going to be it's resources are going to be allocated as needed. And people were excited to help out that that weren't in Texas. They were, and um, you know, hats off to the guy. God bless him. So as far as now, we talk about the good things and how the country. <clears throat> came together and how Texas came together. But but let's talk about the folks that, that used it as an opportunity. Okay. So the storm, the storm used it as an opportunity to commit crimes or criminal oh, offenses. Okay. So, you know, I remember when I was a prosecutor down in Harris County years ago, back in 05, we had hurricane Rita and during her, not hurricane Margarita, no hurricane Rita hit, hit made landfall at the Beaumont area. However, we had a tremendous amount of looting, mostly uh, burglary of building cases. Like like gas stations and convenience stores. Convenience stores, Targets, Walmarts, whatever. Anything where there were movable goods. And and it was, it was bad. I mean, uh, we did not see during Harvey nearly the scope and extent of the looting, people taking advantage of a, of a disaster to go out and um, <clears throat> when you think of, you know, going out and breaking into a, a business that's closed and taking all their beer or their TVs or taking whatever they could get their hands on, we really didn't see that much of that here in Montgomery County. Um, I think, you know, juries in this county have, have put people on notice that if, you, if, 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 if somebody commits a crime in Montgomery County and we can prove it, you know, we we meet we meet our burden of proof. Then, whatever happens, happens. You know, the, the juries are are known. They deliver very very tough sentences, strict sentences, strict verdicts. Now, um, now, isn't it true too that when you have an offense that is committed during a natural disaster or um, <clears throat> during this situation where where you can actually enhance somebody's punishment? If you have a government declared natural disaster. Any grade of offense, like say you have a state jail theft. We and can, that's like the lowest grade of felony theft. Fourth degree theft. Yeah. We can have basically an enhancement paragraph in the charging instrument and assuming that we can prove that the offense was committed during a time where there was a government mandated disaster proclamation, then the range of punishment goes up one level. So it takes a state jail felony breaking into a gas station or a Valero during a hurricane up to a third degree felony. And so basically what what the public know that means is in your scenario, like normally the most you could get would be two years. And in this scenario, the most you can get is 10 years. Because assuming, enhance- assuming they don't have any other enhancements or any prior criminal history. But um, you have the worst case scenario for a, 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 a criminal who has been to the pen or has been in prison twice before and commits this sort of offense. He's looking at 25 to life. So... Uh, Obviously, you know, we have a, we have very tough habitual offender laws in the state of Texas as well. Well, so wrapping up Harvey and wrapping up the end of the year, we do want to know, folks, hey, what can I expect going to my holiday party? Besides, they'll hope to run into you, Rob, of course, because you're festive and fun to hang around with. You know, well, I mean, you know, am I going to get pulled over? Can I Are the DWI checkpoints? Is it mandatory blood draws these days? So tell us what if folks are going to drink. um, what should they do? Our office will be running, you know, we which we do pretty much every holiday, no refusal times where Christmas Eve, Christmas night, times where New Year's Eve, when there's 
heavy vehicle traffic. Uh, if somebody is, is commits a traffic offense or gets involved in a wreck or, or, and then it turns out that they are intoxicated and they, they refuse a, a, the field test or they refuse a, a breathalyzer, an intoxilizer test, then we will make a, a determination if we have probable cause to have a judge sign off on a search warrant to obtain that person's blood. Whether they consent or not, if we have a warrant, uh, we'll have a staff at the jail um, working, and a nurse, a judge. I'm sure there will be a judge there, and two or three prosecutors working around the clock during these times. But just in general, you know, it's it's the standard thing that you that people hear every year, and that is, take a cab. It's that simple. Take a cab. Have a designated driver. Take an Uber or a Lyft or the new the new services that are out there. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it to yourself, but it certainly is not worth it to an innocent person minding their own business or a family. And you hear the tragic stories that come that stem from drinking and driving around the holidays. It's just, it, it's, it's terrible. Uh, you know, stay, I mean, shelter in place, have, a, have people over to your house and, and there's no reason to be out on the roadways on Christmas Eve or Unless you, well, especially New Year's Eve, I would say that that is, is traditionally a heavy drinking holiday where folks need to, you know, folks need to not necessarily rely on transportation and say, I'll just call an Uber at the end of the night because other folks, you know, <coughs> that they may not be able to get an Uber. So good, rather yes, than good luck getting an Uber at the front of the woodlands on, on New Year's Eve. So you may be best to plan your transportation in, in advance if you're planning to drink in excess. Stay at the Marriott. Stay at the Marriott. Stay at your house. Should we tell them where it is? <laughs> it's in Montgomery County. <laughs> so, um, you know, but at the same time, it's interesting. We talked about this on a prior show. Previously, you know, with the DWI, it, you, when you got pulled over on a DWI, you may not have a, you, they may not be able to get your blood. Or there may not be a video, but just kind of the way that, that things have evolved, there's going to be a video of every DWI stop. And, and just about in every case now, at least in Montgomery County, it's not no refusal Friday. Every day is no refusal day. And they're going to get your blood if they have probable cause yes. that you are intoxicated. Andrea, gone are the days 15 years ago where we, when we screened misdemeanor cases, we would write NT or NTNA, which meant no, no test, no accident. We would try those cases with nothing but um, an officer's observations, basically. Right, and no video and, of the scene. And we would, sometimes we would have video. Sometimes the only video we would have was when they would, the person would be arrested and they would take them back to the police department, back to HPD or to the sheriff's department. And they would do field tests in a room, uh, not on the street, not it, it right It was there. not even as cozy as this room. It was like no. a, it was a smaller concrete. It was a room that had a painted white line on it and a little box. Right. And, um, and that's all that we had. We didn't have anything else. The only other piece of tangible evidence we may have on a case like that is a, a defendant's booking photo, and that's it. So, but those days are, are long gone, and we have a, a staff, a, a division, our vehicle, our vehicular crimes division is comprised of some of the best talented trial attorneys and, and, and vehicle-related case attorneys in the great state of Texas, in the country. I'd put, I mean, I would compare the Tyler Dunmans of the world and Andrew James's, uh, Adam McClain. To, they are, they're the best. They are the best. And they have dedicated a, a substantial portion of their career to specialize in cases involving intoxicated and impaired drivers. Well, and the thing as a defense attorney that I would give as advice to someone, and you may not agree with this advice, is that if if you know you're going to fail the tests, don't do the tests. Um, and also, that includes the horizontal gaze nystagmus test. So, in in that case, um, you know, if if you if they're going to have to get a warrant for your blood anyway, make it harder to get the warrant. Um, give them as little information as possible to form their their defense. And, and you know, don't try to do the tests and give them even more evidence. Well, the best advice would be to tell your potential clients just not to drive Don't. at all, not to be even be put in that position. Well, then they wouldn't be my potential clients. <laughs> they're only my potential clients, or they're only my clients after they make the decisions. That's, that is true. 
but I'm sure you have repeat clients that come back. Um, because of repeated bad decisions. That may have not learned their lesson <laughs> the first time. Um, but the best advice is just is if you drink, just don't get don't, behind the wheel. Don't, drive. don't be with anybody else behind the wheel. It's just not worth it. Uh, tipsy tow or what, those those are the services where a, a wrecker can come and get your car and tow your car back to your house will cost exponentially much less than what the cost would be to to come to be arrested and charged with DWI. Well, additionally, you know, if you're going to a holiday party now in this this wave of everything's recorded and and everything ends up on social media, so if you're if you're planning to act bad. Assume that that may be something that someone can record and later use as evidence, even in we, a criminal. We situation. see a lot of cases now that have, you know, back when we were younger prosecutors, there 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 were no iPhones, so you know everything is on video now. So if if, if somebody is leaving a a bar or a party and a concerned citizen follows them and sees them not being able to stay in their lane or running a red light or whatever it is, that could be recorded and then. The, the office, what they will do is that if that person calls it in, calls 911, they will do an ATL, which is an attempt to locate. So now officers are now looking for that particular car and in now, a particular place. And now what you have in certain situations is if you see somebody leaving a public place and you're concerned, now you have a video that they can play at trial. You you can. You can. That, that's happened a lot of cases where we've had videotapes of, of defendants that are that are doing large prison terms. We've had videos of, of these defendants in the bar taking shot after shot after shot on video. Well, and then you also have folks that that post things that they do on Facebook and they think, oh, Facebook is not something that the, the state of Texas is going to have access to. Well, the state of Texas knows how to use Facebook and We've, Instagram and face, Snapchat. Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, all of the social media sites are a, 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 a wealth of information. For investigators and prosecutors, and some of the things that we've seen uh, defendants put on Facebook—large amounts of money, jewelry, exactly. Uh, so drugs. You'll, you'll, yeah, you'll have felons that are have been previously convicted of a felony, and they'll and they'll post themselves Guns. posing with a firearm. Yes. So we do need to um, say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And we do need to advise the folks of of Montgomery County and other surrounding counties that are listening. You know what? If if you're gonna do something stupid as a defense attorney, I would say stay off the grid. Don't post it on social media, and and also just stay sober. It'll make this holiday better for for not just your family, um, but for everybody on the roads. I mean, Montgomery County has become in the it, it it's always been a great place, but in the in the almost the ten years that that I've been here, it's become a destination. There's no need to Number have to one go. growing. City in the country. There's no Conroe, Texas. It is, and there's no need to have to go all the way to Houston to 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 you know for entertainment. We have well, we have you. We have we yeah. have the producer Dick Schistler. We have uh, a number of fine Lons. fine restaurants <laughs> here in downtown Conroe, um, and with music and and entertainment and food and everything else. And and we have the Woodlands. We have we have everything. We have a new community growing up going up here off off of the Loop and. And 45. So this is a bustling, great place. It's a good to place be. to be. It is a great place to so be. So Merry Christmas to everybody that's listening and or whatever your holiday of choice. And and we'll see you in 2018. Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy New Year. Chanel, Chanel.